Today, I want to talk about self-trust. It's something that is so fundamental. It's so vital. And yet it doesn't always naturally come to us. It's not always naturally there. And in part, that's the conditioning of our society. And so that goes into the way that we're parented, the way that we're educated. It likes to tell us what to do and what to think rather than really inviting us and helping us cultivate what is our relationship to trusting ourselves. And so this also evokes our ability to trust our intuition, to listen to our intuition, to trust our choices. So many of us are looking for guidance because it's hard to make decisions. It's hard to know what the next step is. It's hard to know, um, am I going to get it right with this person in this relationship? Or where do I move to next? Or, you know, what do I even have for dinner? Right? There's a lot of things where actually tuning into ourselves and really trusting our decisions and our own inner knowing is, is so important, and yet it's really kind of like salmon swimming upstream because, again, we don't live in a culture that is really supportive of that. There's no, there's no education around that. There's no uh, ritual around that. There's just, I would say, there's almost the opposite of that. And so, so much of doing this work is about remembering what is actually innately there, but our environment doesn't necessarily feed it. And once we cultivate, it's just really about cultivating a relationship with ourselves. Once we cultivate that relationship, trust becomes the foundation of that relationship. And from that point, we can really do anything. So that's what we're going to dive into today. This is Corinne Bloom, and you're listening to raw conversations. So I want to start off by saying that self-trust is not something that we create overnight. If you recognize that when you're getting to know someone, let's say you're dating someone, really trusting that person is about building a rapport it's about getting to know that person. It's about communication. It's about consistency. Is that person consistently showing up in, in the same way that's healthy, <laughs> that's available, um, that's compassionate, that's kind? And through all of these things and through time, really, it takes time, we begin to build trust. As you've heard me say before, if that's what we're wanting to create with someone else, why wouldn't we want to create that same dynamic within ourselves? Most of the time, we don't trust ourselves or a part of us doesn't trust ourselves because pretty probably unconsciously, we're not aware that we're actually abandoning, rejecting, judging, criticizing parts of ourselves. And so how can we trust someone that is either neglecting us, ignoring us, or, or judging us, right? And, and there's no blame in this. It's not to say if you're doing that to yourself that you're a terrible person. If you're doing that to yourself, you're just a human. And 
the reason why we do this work and we go on this journey is to make the unconscious conscious. And once we make something conscious, we can really see it for what it is with love, with compassion, and we can alchemize it. We can heal it through loving it. So trust is a process. It's a journey. And often when I'm working with someone's inner child, there's that first point of contact of connection. And in that there's relief, but sometimes I'll check in, you know, to kind of see how does this part of you feel? Does it trust you? And it might go, mm, feels better, but meh, still doesn't, you know, still doesn't really fully trust, especially if that child, that inner child, or you as a child had any kind of trauma or abandonment or rejection or whatever the challenge was in your childhood, because we all have had a version of our challenge. If that part of you didn't really get that trust, didn't really feel that trust for one reason or another, then it's it's hard to know some something that you didn't receive. And so just as it might not have trusted its environment or the family, the parents, the caretakers, it's going to have to learn how to trust you as well. Now, I want to say on a side note, because I'm a, I caught what I just said, how can we know what something is when we haven't experienced it? That comes up so frequently in, in sessions with people, I cannot tell you. And they say that especially when it comes to love, uh, maybe when it comes to availability in love. What I answer in that case is, you might not have had the physical experience of, let's say, trust or love or being accepted. But you have to know what something is if you know that it's missing. If you didn't know what it was, you wouldn't know it was missing. But there's a part of your being that innately knows, a baby knows I, I, I can tell you that I have a memory of being like, I don't know, two, two and a half years old. And I have so many memories of my father just kind of leaving me alone in a room. He left me in a sunbathing bed. He had one in his home. He left me in the car by, by myself. And I remember every single time being two, two and a half years old thinking, isn't he meant to be the adult here? <laughs> so I knew, a part of me knew this isn't correct behavior. Correct behavior would be presence. It would be consistency. It would be trustworthy. It would be loving. It would be compassionate. We innately know these things. And so that's why we know when it's missing. Now, we might not have had the physical experience of it in this lifetime, but a part of us knows. And so sometimes it can feel like a shot in the dark when you're wanting to manifest something into your life. You're wanting to experience something in your life, and yet you have no example. You have nothing to compare it to. And the mind really likes to compare. I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but I will bring it back to trust. But, well, actually, here we go. I'm going to slide it right in. We need to trust in the unknown and we need to trust in the unfamiliar because if we only trust what we know, we'll tend to go into replicating what we know even if it doesn't serve us because it's familiar and therefore comfortable and the illusion of safety is there. 
And so we have to stretch into the part of our brain and stretch into the part of our being that, you know, especially if you find yourself wanting to manifest a relationship and you haven't had a version of it where you go, okay, that's a good example of a relationship and it didn't work out. But, you know, some, some, I have many clients that have not had the example of a really healthy relationship. And so what they're looking for, they're like, God, does it even exist? I don't even know what it feels like. I don't even know what it looks like. So you have to kind of reach for the unknown and you've got to reach for something that you have not yet experienced. And so you've got to be open to something completely new and completely different. Now, on a side note to that, if I'm just, I'm going to continue with the theme of manifesting. A lot of clients will say, well, that hasn't been my experience in the past. So how do I know it's going to be different in the future? It's going to be different in the future because you're different. You're going to make different choices. You're doing this work to make the unconscious conscious. And in the process of that, you will not repeat certain habits. You're reframing your limited beliefs. You're transforming and alchemizing your very identity and you're actually coming back home to who you truly are. And so you will inevitably show up different in life. And by showing up different, having different behaviors, having a different belief system, you will see life very differently. You will see a different type of man or woman. Your boundaries around self-care and self-love will be, maybe they'll be there for the first time ever right? And so the way you take care of yourself as you move through life will change. And so therefore that has a knockoff effect, right? Therefore you, you won't attract certain people or situations or because you know how to take care of yourself. So taking care of yourself is a really big part of how you cultivate trust. Trust is all about your relationship with yourself. Now, it's, you know, I'll go back to if we live in a society that likes to tell us what to do, it's not really encouraging us to trust ourselves. And I remember seeing this in the playground with my, with my daughter when she was little, the amount of fear, you know, there, there would be just like the playground. It's not, it's not even like the wilderness. It's not even like a wild tree, but it's like the playground, which is set up for, with safety measures and all of these things. And, and parents were like, no, 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 wait, don't, don't do that. That's, that's dangerous. Be careful. And it's instilling so much fear in a child. And, and we really need, we've kind of forgotten the art of taking risks that are, you know, within a, within a healthy boundary, taking risks so that we can build our courage. If we do not have courage, we won't take risks. If we don't take risks, we're not really truly li living life because life requires that we take risks. And I'm not meaning, um, you know, the risk to jump off a cliff. I actually think most of the time we don't take emotional risks because we haven't been taught and, and unfortunately, many of us have probably not even been shown or exemplified what self-trust looks like. And a part of that, which is why I, I work so much around emotions, is we've got to get comfortable with our feelings. That's how we begin to learn to trust ourselves, not by judging ourselves for having this feeling and then shaming ourselves and saying, oh, we should be having more of this other feeling. Be happy, not sad. Be positive, not, you know, scared, depressed, anxious, right? Those are all the bad negative feelings. 
How can we trust ourselves if there's always a part that's pointing the finger saying, no, you should not feel that. You should feel ashamed if you feel that. That's not good. That's bad. That's wrong. Right? That, that's, if, if you imagine someone's outside of yourself constantly telling you that or speaking to you in that way, what's going to happen? You're going to get really small. You're going to kind of hunch your shoulders and concave and there's no sense of um, that feeling of you're good enough, you're worthy enough, you're significant enough, you're smart enough. But the most important part of that that, get, that gets lost is you, who you truly are. Because part of cultivating trust is discovering who you truly are within yourself because that's going to be the most solid, consistent, grounded, trustworthy part that you can ever trust. Think of it this way. If you are not being fully honest with yourself, if you're trying to be someone that you're not, if you're trying to be someone that other people will like, approve of, validate, love, whatever it is, but it's not authentically you, how can that be fully trustworthy? Because firstly, it's not based in authenticity and truth. And also it's changeable. Because if we're trying to be someone for someone else, depending on who that someone else is that comes into our life, we will have to act differently, right? So the most consistent, trustworthy person in our lives is our authentic self. And that is a journey to come into. It's not anything that you're going to find outside of yourself. The journey might take you through traveling in different countries, um, trying different practices, um, reading different books, listening to different talks, working with different coaches or therapists or different practitioners. The, the journey that's in our external world can be the catalyst for going into our internal world. But that's where we're going to find ourselves. So trust begins with consistency. Well, it begins before that with presence, actually, and then with consistency. First, we have to know that we're going to be present with ourselves no matter what we're feeling, thinking, or experiencing. That we're going to show up and just say, I'm here. And I'm here without judgment. I'm here to listen. I'm here to ask you what you need. I'm here to give you that need as best as I know how to in this moment. But I'm just here to listen, support, and love you through whatever that whatever it is that you're going through. There's no good or bad or right or wrong. There's no shame. There's no blame. There's no pointing the finger. So presence is, is key that we're just going, okay, I'm showing up. And this is the part that we might not be aware of how often throughout our lives we haven't been present with ourselves. Because it's like, oh, I don't like that feeling. I'm going to push it away. I'm going to neglect it. I'm going to turn and look this way. Look, this way looks much better. I'm going to go into distraction. No, I don't want to feel that. I'm going to go eat that. I'm going to go watch that film. I'm going to go eat that tub of ice cream. I'm going to go have sex with that person. I'm going to do this drug. I'm going to play that video game. I'm going to anything to be with, right? And again, I say this without judgment. I say this as it's hard to be with our pain, 
But the more you can be with your pain, the more you can sit with your fear, the more you can listen to your sadness and just stay and be present and be loving, that is how you begin to cultivate self-trust. So presence, number one, consistency, that you continue to show up with the same level of presence and with the same level of kindness, then we start to see, oh, okay, yeah, I, I can begin to trust this person, which is ourselves in this instance, but you'll notice, you, you, this is, these are our expectations of others. Good expectations. I normally don't like to use that word, but good expectation of others. So, of course, we should embody that ourselves. So you'll notice, yep, we're looking to see, is that person present? Are they showing up? Are they distracted when they show up or are they present when they show up? Are they consistent in the way that they're there for me? Do they listen with compassion? Are they supportive or are they telling me what to do and what I shouldn't do? And then really what it comes down to once we've kind of connected into these, you know, the presence, the consistency, and the, um, the support, it's really about cultivating a, a conversation. It's just about being in conversation with ourselves. So if we're in a society that loves distraction and that being with and staying with the feeling, the sensation, the emotion in the body, getting out of the mind and dropping into the body, all of which is quite foreign to us, we have to start to pay attention Instead of going to distraction, instead of just looping in the mind and going through the story again and again and again, we have to start paying attention to what am I feeling? What are the sensations in my body? What are the emotions that are moving in my body? And we listen and we stay with, and, and that's what creates a language and a conversation that we are now starting to have, hopefully on a daily basis, with ourselves. That's the getting to know. I, I, I watched a, it was a short video and I really like this. It was, I think it was from a attachment theory workshop, but it was, it was showing these kind of different categories, right? There's getting to know, there's consistency, there's trust. And then the, um, the last one was touch. And basically what she was saying is she was going through the process that if we start by getting to know someone, get to know who they are, recognize are they consistent in the way that they're showing up? Ah, I forgot one. The next one is, can I rely on this person? Which means that I see that they're consistent in the way that they're showing up. And then if I can rely on that person, I can trust them. And then we move to touch. And what she was saying is that what most people do is they go directly to touch. People jump straight into bed with each other. And then they go, why do I feel so insecure? Why do I feel like I don't know this person? I don't know if I can trust them. Can I rely on them? Because we bypassed all of those really crucial steps and we went straight into touch. And I thought that's so useful now, of course, when it comes to ourselves, I mean, that's really useful for a relationship, right? If in the dating process, that's like vitally important. But those first steps are what 
cultivating a relationship with ourself is all about. We're needing to get to know each other. And I was watching an, another snippet of this man talking about how it took him a long time to figure out who he really is, to really get to know who he truly is, what I would call your authentic self. Because he ha- said he had to go through all the layers of the way in which he lied to himself, all of the masks and facades, all the ways that he pretended, all the ways that he acted, all the ways that he even convinced himself of being someone else and, you know, the behaviors that go through that, that go with that. There was just so much of a peeling back, peeling back. It's like undressing, taking off the armor, taking off the costumes, taking off all the layers that are not who you truly are because you thought that all those layers would make you the person that society would approve of, that your parents would love and approve of, that your boyfriend or girlfriend would love and approve of, when actually we just really want to be who we truly are. And so... Going through those layers is a part of this process of getting to know, but who am I truly? And I will again give the example of the question that I asked myself when I had to leave the San Francisco Ballet because I had an injury and I asked myself the question, who am I without the identity of being a dancer? I knew who Corinne was, but when you strip away what you're doing and what you've been doing, and who people know you as by what you've been doing. That's when the real question comes in. Who am I? Who am I? What am I scared of? What do I desire? What means, what what has the most meaning to me in life? What does fulfillment feel like? What does purpose mean to me? What makes my heart come alive? What makes me feel enlivened? What terrifies me? These are all unique questions. We're not a one-size-fits-all, and we shouldn't be. Yes, do we have similarities? Absolutely. But we're also unique beings. So if you want to cultivate self-trust, get to know yourself. And some of us might have a very strong sense of self, and some of us might not have a fucking clue who we are. And that's okay. There's no better or worse, right or wrong. It depends where you are along your journey. And the invitation is there to always begin on that journey inwards to get to know who you are. So I want to go into a little bit more of the specifics of trusting yourself. I really like to use the body as the barometer because the mind can be a trickster. The mind is very easily manipulated. The mind is very easily influenced by our belief systems. And if our belief systems are false and they're not really supporting who we truly are, then it's it's not going to necessarily um, lead us into making the greatest decisions. The body is pretty succinct. And most of the time, your body either feels good, bad, or neutral. It's, it's really that simple. Um... But the body, if you start to pay attention, will let you know, does it feel expanded and relaxed? Does it feel contracted and tense? I'm going to use a, um, an example. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to use two different examples. One will be, um, I'll go back in time when I was dancing. I had, was injured. I had taken five years off. 
I was retraining to come in back into dance and um, I had spent some time in New York, but I wanted to go to Europe and I was auditioning for this really amazing contemporary company in, in Europe. And I had taken initial audition and then a few months later I was going to spend a week with them. And so I spent a week with them and, you know, it was, I was just like, wow, this is my dream. You know, what an amazing opportunity. And uh, my back went out. And so I had to take part of that week off. And I remember lying in bed going, okay, what is going on here? Because by that point I had learned to listen to my body because I had been with the injury, my ankle injury for seven years, five, seven years. And so I knew the wisdom of listening to my body. And, and what I came to was, even though this opportunity was kind of a dream of mine, it would have looked really good on my CV. <laughs> it would have looked really good on paper. There was just something in me that knew, nope, this isn't right for me. My heart is actually telling me no. And it's hard because my mind was like, what the hell is wrong with you? This is an amazing opportunity. This is what you've been dreaming of. Why don't you do this? And there was some, my heart was going, nope. And, and so I said, no, I said no to kind of con going down that process. And interestingly enough, there was another dancer that I had met that ended up joining that company and said the director was an absolute nightmare to work with. So there was, you know, there was something in me that knew, yeah, that all would look great, but that's not what you're really wanting and needing. So that really learned, that taught me that our, our body and our being and our wisdom and our intuition and our heart really, truly does know. Now, some people might say, oh, but my heart told me that like, you know, I love that guy and he was the right guy for me. And, you know, that's what my heart was telling me. And I'd say, mm, that was probably what your infatuation was telling you. It's probably what your wounding was telling you. It was probably your, your, whatever they call it, your trauma bonding that was telling you. And that's why it's really a getting to know process of really understanding what is the true voice of your heart. What is the true voice of your your authentic self so that you're not getting it confused with your wounded self. That's, that's not to label you in a bad way. We all have our wound. It's just the part of us that is wounded. And, and we tend to live from that place until we make it conscious and we heal it. So that's really important to discern and to differentiate the two voices. More recently, I'm in this process of wanting to move, not just house, but country. And I had, um, I had kind of had the plan that I was going to go back again for a couple weeks just to do some more kind of, take another recce and scout out the place. But I also know that I want to move in like a month's time. And I'm like, how can I go do that and come back and pack up a, you know, a four bedroom house in two weeks? And I was starting to get incredibly overwhelmed. I was waking up every night in the middle of the night with the most intense visceral experience of anxiety. Like, I cannot tell you how intense. And luckily, I had the skills to just be with it. Like, I could just go, okay, what, it, what is this about? And I would hold it, and I'd be very loving with myself. But it was so intense. <laughs> and it was like every night for six nights or so, I just, it kept on happening. And then... 
I'd kind of come to this decision and some people supporting me in that decision. It just became very clear of like, okay, I'm not going to do the recce. I'm just going to, the the priority is I need to pack up my house because whatever happens, I know I want to move out of this house. I do not want to be here for the winter. And so that is the priority. And then everything else will fall into place. And the moment I made that decision, my whole body like relaxed and anxiety was like, boop, gone. So normally what happens is that we have these very uncomfortable um, feelings in our body and we want to get rid of them. We go, why is this here? I don't like this. I don't want this. And that's when we can go into distraction and masking and, you know, doing and, and anything to avoid the feeling when actually the feeling is the messenger. The feeling is the part that is getting your attention because something needs looking at and maybe something needs tweaking. Like in my instance, it was like, okay, that wasn't, that's not the best decision for my circumstances right now, for my current circumstances. When I made a different decision, my body was like, yep, that's the right one. But it wasn't going to go away until I paid attention to it. And now what happens with a lot of people is they, they have sensations that come up in their body. The body is speaking to you all the time. But if you ignore and ignore and ignore and ignore again and again and again, what happens years down the road? They get ill. They get injured. It's like, oh, you don't hear me? I'm going to turn up the volume. So our body is constantly communicating with us. We're just not listening or paying attention. And if we haven't cultivated a relationship with ourselves, it's like speaking in Chinese to us. We don't know, right? And so this is really why it's important to Show up, be present, be consistent, listen, recognize if you can be reliable, right? And then you build the trust. And through that, you build the language that is the communication with yourself, with your body, with your inner child, with all the various parts of who you are. And, and eventually that kind of um, integrates into who you are and just that inner knowing that you will innately trust because that's what has always been there. It's just coming back home to that. So I want to invite you to begin to start paying attention to your body. We like to live from the neck up. I want to invite you to drop into your body and notice the sensations. You can always start with the sensation because that we can kind of point to and go, ouch, that doesn't feel good or Ugh, that doesn't feel comfortable or I've got a restriction in my throat or a knot in my solar plexus or my belly feels sick or you know, I've got a pain in my lower back or I've got an ache in my knee. Start with the sensation because that tends to get our attention the most. When you have the sensation in your body, you ask, what is the feeling? What is the emotion in this sensation? You might have fear, anxiety, uh, worry, um, you know, it could be sadness, fear, I already said that, <laughs> you know, anger, whatever the emotion is. And so you sit with that, you, you feel it, you take a breath. The, the first step is always just stay. Whenever you notice it, stay. So stay with the sensation for a few breaths. Don't change it. We always are so quick to want to change it. Stay. Stay, take a few breaths, then inquire. What is the emotion in the sensation? Once you feel the emotion, stay. Take a few breaths. Then you can begin the conversation. Why am I feeling anxious? 
What, why am I worried? What part of me is scared in this moment? What part of what I'm doing right now is scaring this part of me? Is making this part of me anxious? Is making this part of me feel worried? And you inquire and you allow the emotion to have a voice. Let the fear have a voice. Let the anxiety have a voice because that's just a part of you. So give them a voice and then start to have a conversation. Not a conversation where you're berating it and you're telling it shouldn't, you're telling that part of you it shouldn't feel that way and you're shaming it. That is like, no. <laughs> you're listening with love and compassion and kindness. And sometimes this takes a lot of patience and this takes a lot of practice. Again, none of this happens overnight. You are cultivating a very different kind of relationship with yourself, which you probably were not taught or shown by your parents or your teachers. It's a very new way in terms of how our society functions. So be patient with yourself. You're undoing a very big, uh, a very kind of long-standing pattern that you're just habituated to. And, and, you know, generations repeat, right? We, we hand over behavior from generation to generation until we make it conscious. And that's another reason why we're doing this work, because we're liberating ourselves from the ancestral behavior <laughs> that we've come out of. And don't underestimate that. That's powerful, right? But also don't underestimate your power and capacity to be able to transform it. But the only way we transform things is by being conscious of them. And the only way we can be conscious of them is if we're present, self-aware, and we stay with it. So again, just reminding you that self-trust is, is cultivated over time by building a consistent, reliable, trustworthy, kind relationship with yourself. So I'll leave it at that because it's a long one today. Um, there's so much more that I could say, and there's so many more specifics that I could go into, but it's really, we're all an, on our own individual journey, which is why when I work with someone, it's very intuitive because it's very dependent on where that person is. There is no one size fits all, right? So begin to see if you can trust yourself. Begin to notice the ways in which you don't trust yourself. What are the ways in which you're telling yourself that you're wrong or that you should or shouldn't? Where are you judging yourself? Notice if you go, mm, I don't know, maybe I should ask that person. Maybe they'll know better. Notice if you're going to the external authority. Notice if you have your own inner authority. And if you don't, then that's something that needs to be worked on. Again, our society does not really support at all us having our own inner authority. It wants to be the sole authority. And that's a, that's a unlearning. You know, that's a reconditioning. Come back. But the quickest way you can come back is come back to your body. Come back to your feelings. Pay attention. Listen. And have a conversation. So as always, take it or leave it as feels right. If you want to explore it more, you know how to find me if you want to have one-on-one -on -one sessions and, and look into the stuff deeper. But take this as an invitation and try it out. There's no right or wrong way. Just try it out. What you're doing is you're building awareness and you're starting to create a new way of being, a new habit, a new pattern that's healthier and that is going to really allow you to live a much more free life. 
a much a life where you're going to be more at peace because even when things are hard, you're, you're going to be there for yourself. That's what trust is. You're going to be there. All right, y'all. Loving you from afar. You've been listening to Raw Conversations with Corinne Bloom. Thanks so much for showing up, listening in, and being a part of the conversation with me. Thank you.